Is Disney putting their best foot forward when it comes to costumes? Let's discuss. Welcome to Princess and Scoundrel, where we take you along our scrappily ever after from fantasy land to tattooing and everything in between. I'm Sarah. And I'm Steven. And we have a special guest on this episode. Yeah. We're talking about costuming, costuming at the Disney parks specifically, but how do that, how do those costumes stack up to costuming groups, to cosplayers, to disbounders? And we could talk about it. We could have a conversation. Well, so... I've wanted to have this guest on for quite some time and just because I, I love listening to his conversations, but I had to figure out a way to have him on our show and with Masha Isley just happening, Halloween just happening, like what better person to talk to than our resident armor, Mike Forrester? Hello, my friends. It is so lovely that we're finally able to connect despite talking literally every day. So for... Our guests that if they for some reason have not listened to Armor Party yet, can you explain to them what it is you do, what it is you talk about? Yeah. So Armor Party is a podcast in which I interview people who have built costumes within the Star Wars sphere, right? And this started, uh, I've been a 501st member since I think 2017, uh, and I've gone on to build five costumes now, which is wild to think about. Um, but in the process of me building costumes, I was just meeting a lot of very interesting people uh, that either were like, you know, just hobbyists or they were people that actually had worked on the show and they were just fans of Star Wars and they were dressing up as Star Wars characters like for Saturday nights to go and hang out with other people who love this stuff. Um, and then... I said, you know, we, I really want to like share more of these stories because there's so many incredible people that use costuming as not only a creative outlet, uh, but also to change their communities. And really what I think that you start to see is you start to see adults um, that have kind of found their sense of purpose and they've kind of found a, I would say, a healthy, maybe obsessive release of the normal droves of just being a regular old adult with a day job, right? Uh, and so Star Wars costuming, I think, has really encouraged a lot of people to be themselves and uh, and do some incredible things uh, along the way. And that's kind of where the idea for Armor Party to have this long-form conversation where people could take me to school on stuff that I don't know about and then get to talk to some people who just have truly just very interesting stories uh, about their costuming journey uh, and and when we happen to be shared by the the same network, our friends over in Thank the Maker. And I think we've got a great little crew of podcasts here that are very informative for all different facts of Star Wars life. Uh, but that's really what Armor, that's what Armor Party's focus is among all of these great conversations that we're able to have. And you, you do it well because you don't just talk to people that have built costumes for Star Wars or people that are acting in Star Wars in these costumes. You talk to cosplayers that are working out of their basements and their garage and that's incredible to have such a wide variety because i don't relate to the people that are acting in star wars but people that can make this really cool stuff in their garage i'm like well hey i could i could do that i can i can try my hand at that so it's really cool that you oh yeah you reached out to everybody yeah so we're gonna 
break this down? It's, I don't want to call it like a head to head, but how does Disney stack up against cosplayers and costuming groups? So the first thing I think we should look at is the details and the accuracy of the costumes for each of those groups. And when I say cosplayers, it's like just like the people that you are interviewing. It's the people doing it in their garage. It's the people that are making it for Star Wars and going to these conventions and all everybody in between. Um, but in terms of accuracy, who do you think demands a higher standard of quality? Do you think it's the Disney costumers or do you think it is the costuming groups? It's a tough question uh, because we know that so many different factors go into what makes both costumes what they are and the purpose that they serve. Um, so it's very common, of course, when someone finds, uh, you know, out that you're a costumer and, uh, we all, we all joke among the clubs that you always get the one person who's like, Hey, my kid's got a birthday party. I think I could wear your, your stormtrooper costume. And we're like, um, no, uh, no, not at all. <laughs> uh, but, uh, what people don't understand is that, you know, oftentimes they're not, they're not one size fits all. Right. Um, you have a, a costume that's built to your spec. Um, and in Disney's case, in that particular case, uh, you know, I've seen the, the job postings and you do have to fit uh, a certain body type uh, that is not inclusive uh, because they, the costumes are designed and they do have some give that are put in there. Um, but, you know, really what you have too at the same time is uh, you also take into climate the way that costumers... Uh, that me, especially way up here in, in Michigan, um, you know, I've never had to mess with helmet fans. I've never had to mess with cooling vests, but I know tons of people down South, um, you know, overheating is a, is a serious thing. You could go and uh, troop a, a baseball game or, you know, a, a Devil Rays game, or you could troop, a, uh, you know, a, any summer activity down in Florida or down in Texas. And people are like, you have to consider the fact that you're wearing all black armor, this helmet, uh, and all of that, you could overheat. And so what I think California and Florida both have to compensate for is different factors of like what goes into actually wearing these things. Um, and so it's hard to say, you know, who demands more detail because, um, oftentimes, especially recently with Disney, uh, they're kind of cut from the same cloth. So Disney at this point is actually sending us production photographs, what are like their archival photos of these costumes. Uh, and they're saying, here's here's the look at it. And they're doing the same thing to the prop shops uh, that, that work at both Batu East and Batu West. Um, so I would say the accuracy is pretty much like at the same level um, in the demand for it. You're going to have a couple goofy things like, you know, it's easier for someone to get the costume off, um, 3D printed parts, that kind of stuff. You're going to see uh, some difference of like what would be a stunt version of the costume that you would see on screen versus the hero costume. Uh, and so that's things like rubber buckles and all this other stuff that you can paint and know that you're not really going to see it because the guy's moving fast. Um, but the accuracy as far as both of them, I don't think there's, you know... The costumers will say, oh, we're the, we're the, the authority, but Disney's also Disney. They're sharing their own resources, <laughs> I guarantee you of that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, very, it's really easy to go, oh, can you believe what they did? I'm like, well, I can believe what they did because they're, they're making multiples of them and things are happening and uh, stuff. So that's a, that's a good question, but I think they're about accuracy is accuracy and, and they both go for 
the purpose of accuracy. Do you think that some of these, uh, this armor, this, these costumes at uh, Galaxy's Edge would qualify for 501st? Or Rebel Legion. Or Rebel, or Rebel Legion, yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, the 501st is, is the toughest club um, to get into because uh, they don't allow for any customization. Um, it is it's screen accurate costumes or interpretations in the case of animated characters. Uh, but there, there isn't any leeway, and so you're not going to have a, you know, you're not going to have a, a generic pilot, right? Like we just we have hero pilots for the X wings, we have hero pilots for other ships, um, and you're kind of building it to spec. But they would allow you to be able to paint your own X wing helmet, right? That's just a general pilot. Um, Mandalorian Mercs, another popular club, um, they allow for customization, and that can go all over the place. That can be um, for, uh, some, you know, they, they have to meet, meet a criteria. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that, that might, you know, that looks a little out of, out of character for some of the current films that we see. Uh, and then we have the 501st, which 501st, like I said, is only, uh, screen accurate characters or interpretations agreed upon by the club. So it's not, there really isn't too much. And then within there, we have different levels so you could be a level three Boba Fett, and that is literally like your blaster has to be, has to have a wood grip. It's got to have a metal scope. It's got to have all of that stuff. Um, and so even that stuff that Disney would say, we don't want that. So I'm willing to bet that that, that is not a, you know, there's a couple of us have, you know, uh, uh, rubber injected blasters. Uh, and then you have to kind of figure out, you know, you have to remove the seam lines of where the mold was made and all that. Um, but I don't even think Disney would mess with anything metal. There are guys who have the original Mark I Weebly flare gun from Empire Strikes Back, uh, or at least metal reproductions of them. Disney wouldn't mess with that. It's not worth it for them. Um, so I, I, I would say in terms of the costumes that you see, would they pass? For sure. So that kind of led me into like the next little, we wanted to do the reverse question is of if the 501st would be allowed to be a costume in Disney. And you're talking about this 501st, you know, having a level three. Like I, I knew that there was a certain, you know, there's criteria for the 501st. Like you had to have these certain things, but I didn't realize there was even other, like yeah, you could have a plastic gun as opposed to a rubber gun to a well, same. metal gun or something. So, well, haven't they had stormtroopers from the 501st go to Disney events? Or am I making that up? I could be making that up. No, you're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah, so even things like um we we saw them actually last year at the at the uh, Macy's Day Parade. Um Yeah. Uh all all of our our friends Justin Sonfield, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Um and mhm. Uh, a bunch of them had first order stormtroopers and then in that particular case they actually get quote unquote hired by Disney. And so then we're no longer considered 501st members. Uh, we're not really allowed to like talk about it. Uh, because once we get paid by Disney, then it becomes a, you're a Disney contractor. Uh, but there have been many, many times where, um, where 501st members have been brought in to do official stuff like that. So they, they're very aware, their PR team is very aware of the standards that we set, we actually have a secondary set of uh, images 
uh, we actually have a second, uh, let's, well, it's called a, data, a database. It's called the Outer Rim Database. And um, you actually don't need to be a uh, club member to update your information on the Outer Rim Database. Um, and that's how they're able to search by costume and see your specs. So you actually upload uh, a front of yourself, a side, a back, and they will go through and they can, they can categorize it by, you know, stormtrooper, snowtrooper, scout trooper, um, pretty much any designation in there, they can go through and they can search you. So um, they're, they're very aware, of course, this is the second time third time that we've been asked to come to actually do production um and that's probably and that's probably five six seven plus opportunities now for the 501st among the commercials um battlefront commercials uh fallen uh fallen order commercials we had 501st members there and, and when you say they you're referring to disney and or lucasfilm like whenever they're doing these these bigger, you know, licensed productions or whatever. Yep, exactly. So it's usually Lucasfilm that's the point of contact because, you know, Disney has Star Wars projects when they want to have them. But other than that, um, you know, the, the the PR people are usually about, usually in communication with each other. So Now, is it one of those, th I, I don't know how long you've been in the 501st, but it does it feel like it's one of those payoffs that there was such a high, like, I, I don't recall before Lucasfilm seeking you know these cosplayers or these costumers out to come be extras and yeah. it was y'all always had that kind of level of detail just because it was a passion but now it almost feels like it's paying off because they're they are calling you guys and saying hey we need scout troopers or hey we need you know stormtroopers or whatever so is it like almost like vindicating like oh yes yeah, like all this hard work was like <laughs> it's finally paying off <laughs> Well, well, Stephen, that depends. If you live in California, maybe. If you live anywhere else, absolutely not. Um, no, no, no. I think, I think really, um, you know, I, in my in my conversation with with Chris Bartlett, uh, who has played almost pretty much every single protocol droid you've ever seen in the Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, um, uh, Obi Wan. Um, you know, Chris was just a fan, and he just wanted to make these costumes to wear to go to conventions. And, um, and bring these characters to life. And then eventually what happened is uh, someone saw it, said, that's really good, and then got called by Lucasfilm to say, hey, would you be able to fill in? You know, it's not like they fly Anthony Daniels to come out uh, to do a, you know, an appearance somewhere. He's not going to get in the suit for that. So Chris, Chris kind of became that person, and he's done it for almost 20 years now. But that just started as him wanting to build a costume. And really what you see... Um, with a lot of the people in these clubs, especially with like the droid builders, Steven, like yourself, um, McMaster and all of these other guys, uh, they're just nerds. They're just engineers. They're guys who just like to build stuff. And then eventually what happens is, um, they, they make enough noise by just making, literally bringing a Hollywood level production to life in their garage. Uh, and enough people start to are connected and, you know, Star Wars, Star Wars is way smaller. The, the, Hardcore fans, way smaller community than you think. And look at what we've done as just fans of this franchise to um, kind of be able to carve our own little space out in it. Uh, and so for the for the costuming clubs, 501st especially is uh, just over 11,000 members worldwide. Um, it, it, I don't think any of us are, any of us join the club to hope that one day we get 
put in a production. I would say it's certainly a perk. It's been a really cool thing. I know a lot of people who have uh, built stormtroopers that normally wouldn't build stormtroopers because they know, in general, <laughs> that's usually what's going to get called. Um, but uh, in, in general, I think most people, they build costumes because they love it and they know that in their small little community where they can wear their costume and, and be... Um, and, and, and make someone happy and make someone smile. That's why we do it. Um, going to children's hospitals and, um, giving people a, a temporary sense of relief and, and, you know, for a movie, movie premiere, being able to have people walk in and have to walk by a stormtrooper before they go see a Star Wars. Like that's the stuff that gets us going. But the productions, I mean, that was a Dave Filoni call. It's really cool that it's happened. Um, but like I said, if you're not in Southern California or you're not in New York, um, you don't really get those calls. So that doesn't uh, happen in Michigan. Cool. It doesn't. No, actually, people don't even know where Michigan is. So unfortunately, um, no Michigan. We're not. No one's calling me up, Sarah. I wish. It's I Canada, wish it were right? So, but uh, uh, it's pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, we actually uh, we actually won a war over that, Sarah. So no, it's it's not. A thing. Um, Thanks for but to answer your question, Steve. Yeah, sure. That's uh, yeah, we do uh, we do geography here up in Michigan, so um, yeah. But no, it's it's it really it's. I don't think anyone, you know, if you're if you're joining for that reason, uh, I think enough people would tell you you can spend money a lot more foolishly for sure. All right, so you mentioned like how cool it would be if you're walking past a stormtrooper at a movie premiere. So moving on to like the immersion that comes yeah. with costuming, how important our costumes when it comes to immersion, specifically in the Disney parks, like Galaxy's Edge, definitely, right? And then even beyond that, Star Cruiser. But let's kind of drill down, like Disney parks, Galaxy's Edge, Star Cruiser, because Star Cruiser is just like it when it comes to immersion ne- in the yeah. parks. Next level immersion, yeah. yeah. I mean, my take on it, Galaxy's Edge was a unique experience because Galaxy's Edge was supposed to disconnect you from the rest of disney like that was its intention right right the idea of galaxy's edge was that you were supposed to leave the galaxy and you were supposed to come to a new planet of batu and that was supposed to purposefully not i mean we knew it that's what they were going for they've said it they've they've showed it off and that's the reason why you can ask where uh, you know, how do I get to Toy Story Land? And they're like, oh, that must be in a different galaxy. That They don't do that anywhere else on purpose, right? So to not have people in costume, to not have people in these off-world garments, to not have stormtroopers, to not have our own Disney princess, Rey, uh, walking around, uh, wasn't the point of Galaxy's Edge. Galaxy's Edge was supposed to be that that transportation away from the park, I don't know how you do Star Wars without costumes. They're the most iconic looks of any science fiction, probably even American cinema, in my opinion, um, of of silhouettes and all that. So I don't know how you would have pulled it off. Um, even Star Tours and even your littlest production always kind of needs to have a character in there. So uh, I would say that you can't have Star Wars without having someone in costume to really like sell you on the idea that you're in Star Wars. You're in a Star Wars now. Yeah. Well, I, and I think that kind of tells to that initial initial thought when people were seeing uh, Star Cruiser. I mean, I guess we're kind of going is there was kind of like it doesn't feel like Star Wars because 
if you don't have those silhouettes of these characters that you know or that grunginess of Tatooine or, you know, the 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 underworld that we were typically seeing, it was it felt missing mm-hmm. with with uh, this Chandrilla and Starline. So clean Starliner. and pristine. However, with new shows like Andor and uh, we're seeing more, you know, Mon Mothma's like we, we see that Chandrilla lifestyle where it's like beautiful bold and like clean lines and just you know abstract uh clothing asymmetrical clothing or whatever jonathan adler chairs yeah so it (laughs) doesn't feel out of world anymore to me like it it just like you know solidifies it more like no this is you know yes there's tattooing there's batu where there's it's the underworld but when you want you know fine dining here's star cruiser here's the house down so well, and they take the costumes or the characters in Star Cruiser even further than they do on Galaxy's Edge. And I don't know if it's because it's indoors and they're able to do a lot more, but we see a lot more face painted characters. I think there's three total. Yeah. Yeah, there's three and they're full face paint. We have aliens, you know, we have creatures, we have droids roaming around. Like we have so much more there. And I know everybody always wants. More characters, more aliens, more creatures, but they've amped it up in a big way. And I think that comes from kind of when Mike was saying about the the costumes, where if it's in a cool temperature, you know, it's you know sixty all the time, you're not going to need you know these cooling systems. Where in Florida, out in that those those what would have Batu the, the three, three sun, suns of Batu it's hot yeah and you know you feel for these characters like if if you've ever like worn a helmet for a while Mike you could even more attest to it oh but yeah it is yeah. hot it, you know and you you're breathing your own you know hot breath <laughs> and, <laughs> so it, all it's these are, uh, all these things are true yes <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's where it's again it's in a controlled environment and you know more cool temperatures. And they they are able to have these costume characters walking around, you know, for longer periods of time. Yeah, and it helps sell the experience. Yeah, like Mike was saying, like you, Star Cruiser specifically, you're paying a good amount of money to be there. You want to be immersed in this experience, and so if everybody there was just a human in a uniform of some way, you're not going to really believe that you've been transported somewhere else. And I think that's part of to the reason why Disney costuming has to be so good is because if there are things that are off about it, you're like, wait a second. I mean, we're Star Wars fans in general are just so critical about everything that if something's out of place, if there's the the jeans guy in Mandalorian, you're like, no. (laughs) So Disney has to do that and they have to do it live in front of people all the time. Well, and then other side of it, Mike, and this is where my question to you is, Mm -hmm how someone could build a costume and say, you know, I'm going to be, you know, Boba Fett. I'm going to be Din Djarin. But there is not that level of, you know, kind of the, the Chris Bartlett advice of become that character. If it's just some guy that's wearing like, hey, hey I built it. I, you know, I, I spent my time building it, but he's just kind of like mm-hmm. trotting along, like jolly, like, hey, <laughs> right, what's up? Right. You know, what's up? It doesn't give you that immersion. You're kind of like, oh, well, that's just some guy in a Din Djarin costume, in a Mando costume. Right. Uh, so I think there's another part of building a costume is like, hey, you got to start building your your little swagger. You kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. slink down a little bit or kind of like always be, you know, yeah. turning your head type of thing. And so, so is that something that the 501st 
kind of guides you or teaches you is like they have to have this kind of demeanor or this kind of gait or if you're a stormtrooper here's how you walk like we saw Andor had to learn how to you know march. march do they teach you that um i mean there there are when we get to do a uh, lucasfilm official events um you know they they do kind of have us say hey this is a lucasfilm official event um, and so you'll very oftentimes have the stormtroopers that are standing guard. Um, you'll have specific roles. It kind of depends what it is. If we're an escort for someone, that means that we'll walk out, we'll walk in single, you know, single file line. We'll do these things. Um, other than that, we kind of hope that people in general try and keep a little bit of the immersion going. Um, I mean, we were, we just did our, our downtown Halloween and we had four snowtroopers and we had a tie pilot and our fun was like finding all the little darth vaders and being like lord vader we found you know oh. uh, and even and even the darth vaders got scared cuz all of a sudden a bunch of stormtroopers come and we had so many kids that were very i mean there's the designs it really speaks to how iconic the designs are because the designs are scary um you know kids are uh, if they're not very familiar with us, uh, especially the snowtroopers, because the snowtroopers don't have faces, um, you know, they, they, we look scary. So there, there is a certain intimidation that is built into the design of the costumes. But when it comes to, it comes to becoming the character, um, you know, it, it gets, it kind of loses the immersion a little bit, uh, for people when Boba Fett is out there dancing to the Macarena, right? And I'm generally, uh, you know, I'm probably one of our more outgoing troopers in terms of trying to talk to people. Um, part of the wit is really funny when, you know, we get the all the time, like, oh, aren't you sh a little short for a stormtrooper? We have mics on. And in general, we never take our helmets off outside. I don't want anyone to know who I am under there. Um, and our whole group feels the same way. So we try to we try to keep the you know, the, the mystery for sure. Um, but we interact with people, you know, it's like we, you know, we'll go up and if there's people in line, we'll go up to them and be like, Hey, you know, let's see your ID. And they'll kind of look over like, is he asking me that? And I'll be like, come on, hand it over, you know? And they're just <laughs> like, whoa, that that's really cool for people to experience that they're waiting in line to go see a movie. And all of a sudden they, they're, they, they see us walking over and they're like, Oh no, I better not get shaken down on this. Um, but in terms of keeping that immersion for people, um, the, what's interesting too, and in the, the the fact that we haven't talked about it, um, that really actually goes to the credit of the performers inside of the suits is like the rigging system for the sound uh, electronics and all of that. And I don't know if people don't know how the stormtroopers actually talk, um, but they are rigged up with these like basically these computer chips on their hands and uh, they're motion activated. So your wrist will, if you spin your wrist or if you close it, they actually will activate a whole different set of gestures on the, uh, you know, the positive expressions or the negative expressions. Uh, and that's why the stormtroopers are very, like, they're very animated because they're actually activating different gestures within within their costumes. So Kylo does that. Stormtroopers do it. Boba Fett does it. Um, and that's why you see a lot of that, those really heavy hand pulls. They almost look like they're they're being stage actors. Yeah. Um, but you have to be, you know, you got to be on it. 
if people are coming up and trying to have a conversation with you, they rarely fumble. And so there's a lot of going, you know, Hey, are you going to do this? And the stormtroopers go, we're watching you. You know, they, you see them do it. So they, they have to be thinking all the time. There's it's certainly a performance. It is not a guy walking around just vibing people out. I mean, they're, they're working (laughs) for sure. And I think the character, it's like you going to the Halloween festival. I know for us and for our kids, the things that I think our kids remember most from any trip we take to the parks is the characters. It's not necessarily the rides or the shows or the smells or anything like that. It's those characters, like those characters are what really sells it. And you're like, I met Mickey Mouse or our (laughs) daughter's obsessed with Wani. Well, and they kind of, when you were saying it, I, it was, I hadn't thought about it in that, this, uh, at this angle or this perspective is there could be people that are like, we're, we're wanting aliens, you know, more aliens and more creatures at galaxy's edge, but there may be people that have phobias and that are scared, like that are not, you know, and I think that's, you know, now thinking about it, Disney has to kind of put all those things, you know, like, Oh, wait a minute. We can't have this, you know, boss character, this, you know, scary lizard man, (laughs) you know, greeting kids and stuff. Cause you know, we don't know how, how receptive it's going to be, but (laughs) you know, I, I don't know why it just like hit me now that, you know, that's probably why they don't have like that scary of a, a creature. Yeah. That's true. Well, and it's not to it's not to say that um, you know I I've always been curious as to why the Star Cruiser characters have been uh, exclusive to the Star Cruiser. Um, the question for like if I guess we could be a little bit critical because I would love to see this part of what they've the amount of work that they've put in is so apparent when you go and experience it. But like, how curious would you be? If you're on Batu on the excursion date and Captain Keevan just walks through and she says, like, what's going on over here? And there's some kind of little theatric that happens and you're just there and you're like, who is that? Like, who? what's going on over there? Or you have, you know, Croy comes out and talks with the other lieutenant. And if you're on the excursion, them interacting with people that they can see that are on the star cruiser, like, how would you not be like, what is happening? I need to like, I got to ask about this because I think that there is so much story that's so fun to interact with when you're on the star cruiser and the costumes are obviously like they're, they're right on. And to have Wani just do a fast walk around, of course you'd have to have handlers for sure. But to have Wani walk around, I think would almost appease the people who thought that Galaxy's Edge, which people always always look at the concept art and they go, it could have been this. Well, concept art is better than every movie you've ever seen. Um, but the point is, is like, how rad would that be if Wani went up and interacted with Chewbacca or something? Because you know that they interact on the ship. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Can we say that? Um <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, he's on the Chewie's on the poster. Whatever. Yeah, if you're fine. listening to Princess and Scoundrel, you know what's going on. <laughs> so, anyways, um, but the the point is, what I'm getting at is like, how rad would that be to spark interest that there is a whole nother storyline that's going on at this park that you might not know about yet. Um, I'm like shocked that they haven't done that yet. But I understand the legal, not not the legality, but the 
the part of having someone like Keevan, who is full face paint with contacts, and if she is outside in the Florida sun in July, uh, there is probably a pretty good chance that something's going to happen with that. But they're smart enough to be able to figure that out. I just can't figure out why they haven't brought Star Cruiser people. Uh, you know, we in the story we port in Batu. They can get off the ship just as much as we can. Right. So something that's to consider that's, if that's anyone's a, listening uh, to that. Yeah, really I mean, good idea right there. So there was a lieutenant that looked very much like Croy on Batu earlier this week. Um, didn't go yes. by name, but very yes. much looked like a certain first order lieutenant that we've seen aboard the Halcyon. So, but they've always had like first order people. They're just like starting to bring it back now. But right. that could happen. I think that would be a really good selling point of just like, what yeah, is, well, yeah. I want that. What is that? You know, let, let's put our, our uh, business hats on. I think that's like a fantastic idea to like sell it. Yeah. Like just to kind of like, whoa, like that is, but how do you, that? I want that. I want more of that. Do it with the three sons. That's what makes that's it the hard tricky. Part. That, and that's the part where it's just like, have like SK just like be booping around. So ah, freaking out. I mean, but let's let's be real about it. You, we've all been to the different parks at different at different times. I've never been in the summer because I'm a I have wampa blood year round, <laughs> so I will not go south of the the oh the weird state of Ohio uh, after May. Um, but the point is, is that if you think about it, you know, you could very much have different parts of the park that are more climate controlled. So oftentimes, like here's a little secret of the 501st too. Um, when we do parades, oftentimes like we've, we've, uh, I know some people, some Vaders uh, will do like a 4th of July parade, right? Well, wherever you are, July is usually the hottest month of the year. And so we'll actually like set up fans in the back of the truck that are majestically blowing the cape, but also like legitimately cooling off Vader. <laughs> Um, and there are certainly cases all over the place where you could have Wani like in the back of like, you know, the creature stall and like here, like, you know, the same way that they kind of have blocked off Ray and Chewie, um, you could very easily have one of those characters come out and interact and the amount of viral that would come out of Wani, like coming over and talking to Chewbacca cause they kind of like have that vibe to them, um, would be pretty next level in my opinion. Um, and, and that, that part of it is interesting to me. And I think when we were talking about this on, on think the maker, uh, when, when Peter, <laughs> Peter brought up this point that he wasn't, he, he just asked it as a topical thing. It like blew my mind because he goes, did they ever consider that the people who were leaving the Halcyon for the excursion became part of the park for people that were not on the Halcyon. And I was like, what? Then I thought about it because it happened to us on day three of the Galactic Star Cruiser first being open. Because I'm sitting there in my gear, looking all smugglery, waiting for my friends to literally come over and bring me a tip yet. And <laughs> I'm just sitting here. And these kids are looking at me being like, this guy's like got a side quest for us a hundred percent. Like why else would he be dressed like that? Because like, you know, at the time, like we were allowed to, you know, they've, they've certainly been very, very loose with people who have gone on the star cruiser. Hey man, you're paying I mean, like, think about it. Our first trip, like there was a dude who walked around his old Rex. We had like two Imperial officers walking around. Like 
they were super cool with us wearing costumes. And from what I've seen in the groups, other people have been, they've been very lenient about people wearing costumes. And so for me to have like my scoundrel get up on with like fake blaster cartridges and all this stuff, um, I was kind of prepared for that. So I brought extra goodies and stuff to give away, which of course is Disney's nightmare. But um, <laughs> the, the, the part of it that I thought was interesting was like, the dad comes up to me after he's like, Hey man, do you work here? And I was like, no, I don't. I was like, don't call the cops. But also, um, I was like, I, I'm just here on the star cruiser and his like brain switch in a second. He was like, Oh, he was like, you're doing that thing. You're doing that thing. I'm like, yeah. He's like, is it so sweet? And I'm like, absolutely. And it just makes me think how many other people would, would that push over the edge to be like, screw it. I'm booking that thing. That looks awesome. Everything about this looks awesome. And I feel like that part of it, I became an extension of Galaxy's Edge for those kids. In that brief little 15 seconds that I interacted with them, they were like, I came to Star Wars land. I saw Stormtroopers and Chewbacca. And even there was a guy in the mess hall that gave us a little side quest. Again, I'm not supposed to do that, but I understand the point. But it's kind of, you You understand what I'm getting at. It's like yeah. we... The, the byproduct of them unintentionally, because we asked Matt Martin about this, the writer, mm -hmm. one of the writers of Story Group. And he goes, oh, I guess we never thought about that. And I'm like, well, <laughs> here you go. Million dollar <laughs> idea. We're just giving you away. But I, I think it's really important for them to remember that, that, you know, you have clearly, I mean, Sarah, you run one of the groups. Like people go all out for this stuff. They go all and out for, for it. And it's, and why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you, right? But here's if the you're thing. doing this trip, why wouldn't you? But then why would Disney put money into putting Kievan or Wani out there when we're doing it and we're paying them to do it? <laughs> well, right? I think, I mean, that's it's, it's always going to be a valid point, but I think the biggest criticism, of course, is that does, after you've gone enough, does Galaxy's Edge start to just feel like a shopping mall? Yeah. I can't disagree with that. If you go on all the rides, you do that stuff, that's great. Um, and it's and it's awesome, and I enjoy myself every single time. But, like, it is such an immersive experience that people are more critical of that park than they probably are at any other place, besides your amenities and Super Disney people, for sure, because people like me, who are not Disney people, have never gone to Disney until they put Star Wars in. And now I've gone three times. So the point of it is, like, that there has to be they have to be feeding that system more because people like me are going to keep expecting that there's going to be things that are changing i think boba fett i think din um coming to west because they'll never come to east and i hope people are listening to this and going you guys at east screw up everything for everybody <laughs> because you don't know how to act with people and that's part of the reason why they only go to west no, I don't um, think that's the reason why, I, I though. Think it, that, well, I think it's because of Star Cruiser. But yeah, you listen to us now. You have a yeah, different I'm reason ready than to I do. Take me to school. Take okay. me to school on why <laughs> no one cool ever shows up at East. Go ahead. Well, I mean, we've, we've talked about this, that West is a quote-unquote local park. There, there's, it's chill. There's not, it's so yeah. much more chill. And but it's for locals. It's for locals because... There's not too many like international traveling. Uh, Meaning, World, those people go all the time, yeah. and so they're gonna get sick of seeing the same thing 
faster than the tourists that go to yeah and world. i think they world is kind of like that staple where it's like oh i know that there's going to be this character because it's a certain you know it's, certain time of the year so we know that it's going to get so international guests could come and and it's a consistent visit you know you know you're going to get that experience if it's within that time you know the 50 you know yeah. the 50th year or you know 50th anniversary carried over for 18 a little months. bit before a little oh, bit after yeah. because <laughs> they needed to make sure everybody that wanted a chance to go they were able to go right but then also star cruiser so star cruiser is locked in because of star cruiser and not giving away too much things that happen on star cruiser that version of Batu is locked to a very, 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 very specific point in time. So you can't have Boba Fett running around. You can't I, have. I, I, would, I wouldn't like it to. I, I would not like, the, you know, that to break that immersion. Yeah. So. No, I agree. And I mean, then all the more reason to fly out to West yeah. to go see those things. But let's move on because you we mentioned Mando. They just announced a D23 a couple months ago that Mando is coming to the parks with Grogu in a little ooh, satchel. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> You've been yes. waiting. You've just been waiting for that. I'm gonna now it's gonna get flagged. You're, this this video is gonna be pulled down because I did that. <laughs> no worry. It's the most iconic for any of this. The most iconic penny whistle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're not monetized. It's fine. Um, but moving on to innovation and costuming. So having Grogu like this is a big deal, and Disney is making bigger strides recently in their costuming we have grogu in the little satchel with mando which apparently has been in the works since they were filming season one according to favreau we saw the the project exo we saw that announced last year at d23 or destination d23 and that turned out to be hulk yeah. and avengers campus that was there for i don't know if he's still there but he was at avengers campus and then Nobody even really talked about it, but Wani on Star Cruiser, yeah, like her, mm -hmm. her face moves, like she's not mm -hmm. just popping a head on and that's it, and she just kind of has to act around it. Like she's able to express, and they didn't make the news like I would have expected I, it to. Yeah, I, I think that's for Wani specifically. That is like the one thing that it amazes you when you first see it because you you again you think oh well, it's just. It's just a mask. Yeah. But then when you see expressions and, you know, you're talking to an alien, you're just kind of like, She's you know, raising a, her you're, eyebrows you're like, at you like, jaw <laughs> dropped, kind of like, what, what am I seeing right now? Like, yeah. oh my gosh. And you don't even know which, you know. Yeah. Of course, don't I don't speak, speak Hutsies, Hutsies, yeah. so, but. But yeah, so Disney is and making there's, And there's strides. no handler. No. That's, that's what else is interesting. There's no handler. Yeah. So, like, you have to think of, like, how wild, I mean, it also goes to show you, like, you know, unfortunately, there is uh, certainly some gatekeeping with the price and certain expectation for guests on the Star Cruiser is that, yes, we assume that everyone who's coming on a Star Cruiser 4 experience is not going to get up in Wani's face and be like, let me see how that, you know, let me see how it works in there, you know, <laughs> although I'm sure some people would definitely like to, uh, myself included. Um <laughs> But I, I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's an accurate point. Um, you know, uh, Grogu is certainly going to be the talk of the town when Mando comes out. I will be very interested to see um, where the 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 handler plays in what they allow people to do and mm. what they don't. Because correct me if I'm wrong. Um, besides Ray and Chewie, very occasionally, like Boba. 
isn't really like stopping to take photos with you. You kind of, he's kind of like the stormtroopers, right? Like if, if you catch them and they happen to be at a stop where they have a, like a set route in the park, right? And they kind of will stop for a second and they know that people are going to come up and take selfies with them. That's fine. But I think Boba is like the same thing. Like, I don't think like you can go up and be like, Hey Boba, could I get a photo with you? He doesn't, he doesn't do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, no, so, he doesn't. So it'll be very interesting to see how people interact with that, especially because the Grogu is animatronic. Um, there is a probably a chance that there is going to be a handler that is in plain clothes um, or a Batu person right. uh, that will be operating him, like R two has been occasionally, as we've seen R two occasionally zip around. Um, I think that's probably what will happen. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how the interaction uh, is going to be, uh, with Grogu, especially because you have, you know, he's at, he's at the side. He'll probably wear him more to the front so that people can kneel down and get a picture with Grogu or at least talk to him. Um, but I don't, I don't think you're going to get that like, Oh, my kid went up to him and had a conversation with Grogu. It's like, that (laughs) probably won't happen. No. Um, and I think so, it's going to happen I, I'm soon. I'm with you. It has to. I mean, it has to. did they say November? Or they said this year. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're probably going to start to see him show up maybe after New Year's or maybe before Christmas or whatever that is. I think, I think costumes-wise, too, especially, um, again, we how many different wraiths have we seen? And they are, like, from completely our... Different. <laughs> they're completely different, completely. right? So you've got yeah. your, like, extra small to extra double extra large, and you've got all these different pants, and... Um, you know, I, I'm sure that I'm sure that we're going to talk about it, but you know, you do have professional prop makers and a team of props, uh, prop makers, uh, versus usually, um, cosplayers end up either being like one man show, uh, one person show, uh, or there you go. more, more specifically, yes, Sarah, yes. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but seriously, it's like, you know, usually where cosplayers run out of, um, steam is usually financially tied. Uh, I can say this is my Boba Fett is, uh, my wife's not going to watch this. I don't care. Um, <laughs> Boba, Fett, Boba Fett is really expensive. Yeah, it is. It's really expensive. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that's, We'll get into it a little bit more, but I think, you know, you're, that's where you're starting to see the difference um, because people have done incredible animatronics. People have been building uh, Mando's Whistling Birds, the gauntlet, where the r- little rockets come out and they light up with LEDs. Cosplayers yeah. oh have been doing gosh. that for two years. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, people have figured it out. Um, you know, people have been building uh, the, the workable uh, rangefinder on Boba's helmet for years, uh, you know, putting servos and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is available, same as for the Disney for the Disney shop teams. Um, but you're going to see a little bit more budget, a little bit more time, a couple more hands helping. So, well, I, I like to think uh, Disney is kind of like that that Apple uh, way of making new products. Where, you know, people, when Apple comes out with something, it's not, you know, it's new to them. And it's like, oh, here's like the greatest thing. But, you know, you have the the Androids, the Samsung, you know, oh, we've been doing that for 10 years. It's like, well, how come not every phone has it? Or how, how come it's not done to this level that it's like, sure. I need that, whatever it is, whatever, you know, bubble messages or whatever. I need that. Why, why haven't we done that? And it's like, well, we've been doing it for 10 years. Like, well, no 
this is what I want, not that. Right. And I think that's right. what, you know, uh, when we talk about the Hulk, I was a little, seeing the videos, I didn't see him in person. So, you know, the massiveness of him is, you know, lost on me. But seeing him walk, it still looked like, a, you know, a person on stilts. Uh, and as far as like the, you know, articulation for the hands, you know, I thought that was really cool, you know, cause I, I love mechs and I, you know, would love to have my own little Gundam suit where I could control the hands. But you know, that idea for me is like, I remember, you know, back in KB toys, the Terminator hands, like you would, you have articulating <laughs> fingers that just extended your hand like a foot. Yeah. So it was like that technology was there. I know they're working on like making it lighter, making it more of a costume, but I think the performance part of it is in the person that actually in the suit need probably needs to be more comfortable on it's stilts. Not fluid. And it's not fluid. It doesn't feel like it's a, per, you know, a Hulk. It feels like a person in a suit still yeah. for me. Well, and I think too, um, it's, it's so bulky that like the articulation of the fingers is lost because Hulk usually has fists. Yeah. Like I've got my green fingers. I'm, that's typically how he has his hands. He's got big old hands. So I think what we saw when we literally saw like the exoskeleton of it and at D23, I got to visit the Imagineering booth and see the, how they do the skeleton and how it's able to move. But I think just putting such a thick skin yeah. over it, for lack of a better term, it just diminished some of the innovation that they put into it. And then as far as like when Mike was talking about like the, the different, the viewfinder you know, the, all these servos and stuff like that, that kind of reminds me of like the Mickey, you know, the, the moving, you know, the, the blinking eyes. And, and he would talk. Did you ever talk. see that, Mike? I'm not a Disney guy. I'm not oh, sorry. Disney guy. I, don't yes, even, yes, I, I don't even know who Mickey is. Who's <laughs> oh Mickey? So, yeah. So the, in the parks, there's a meet and greet with Mickey and the, the costume, the, the, the head, it, it would have blinking eyes and his nose would kind of uh, bounce up and down when he would talk. So, again, it was just kind of building that immersion that he's a real character. Uh, but, again, that one was most of the time behind a meet and greet. It wouldn't be the one walking around or, right. like, on the parades because it those kind of the actuators and the servos on those type of things, they could be finicky. And Have, like, a little, like, a Chuck E. Cheese kind yeah. of eye. So, you, like, <laughs> they don't want that. They, they want to make sure it's, like, a, a consistent experience. And I could see why they're like, hey, you know, this one's not working. His, his, his eyes on the fritz. that, yeah, yeah, for a little bit. Uh, so I think they still face that same difficulty of like, hey, is it going to work every time? Right. And I mean, they also have to do, you know, how long, however long the park is open, 12, 14 hour shifts versus like a cosplayer that has the viewfinder that's out there for a couple hours. Yeah. So I think that's another reason why, why it probably is. We don't have the innovation that we would want to have or that we see at conventions because there's people at conventions that just, like, blow you away with the things that yeah. they do. Oh, I mean, like, and I think there's, like, a, a level of acceptance as well uh, with, you know, a cosplayer because we're, you know, thinking of this is, like, I feel uh, like Obadiah Stane from... Iron Man, where it's like these cosplayers built these things from scraps in a garage, <laughs> and they can't like Disney can't create like the same thing because like there is just there's like a magic that is there, yeah. You know that you know having a K two S O like there's a person behind him, you see him walking with him, but you're just amazed by it doesn't matter. You know this cool. big huge dro you know droid, 
and, and knowing that it one person made it or, but, you know, a small group of people uh, made it. But you, you accept it as, as a cosplay. But if you were to see it in a park, you'd be more critical of it saying, oh, well, there's a guy behind it, you That's know, controlling it. So, well, we, you um, see, I think you see it a lot at like Dragon Con. Like everyone was blown away by how awesome that person was who made the Rancor. Now, granted, yeah. the Rancor was person sized because yes no one was like all right we need 12 of us to make a 24 foot <laughs> rancor um but like the scale the proportion the slime the drip i mean they had it all um mm-hmm. and they made it out of foam it was incredible i remember because everyone's like sharing it being like this is the raddest thing so like steven your, your point is absolutely taken um and many of us too of course it's like you know we'll go to a convention i say this as someone who's like if you looked inside of uh, you know, my, my scout trooper, it's like, I got, I got duct tape all over that thing that's holding up batteries and, uh, you know, voice microphones and speakers and all. I mean, it's, it's, it's every time you troop, you go, is today going to be the day where something's just going to fail? Right. Because mind you too, for people that are listening, um, I mean, the original costumes, the stormtroopers in the original in a new hope some of them didn't have tube stripes the brows were like you know the the faces were smushed i mean they were making this stuff out of plastic and if you got up close to it it looks like junk i talk about this on armor party all the time there is literally duct tape on the back of the sand troopers packs you don't have to look much further to go <laughs> They didn't. They had no idea this movie was going to be a hit, and they loved the costumes. They cared about the costumes so much that they painted over Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back to just change the paint for Return of the Jedi. That's how much they cared about the costumes. Don't put it in a museum. Just paint over it. No one's going to break this stuff down 40 years later. So when you think about it, it's like the, the, the shoulder bells on the Return of the Jedi speeder bike, the scout troopers, they had, the, like, the the bells were falling off, so they have zip ties on them. We never saw that until we saw the 4K edition. We're like, are those zip ties? They're zip ties. <laughs> so you have this weird barrier between um, we've never needed to see these, these films in HD. It was like whatever you saw, you were going to see. Um, and then now we're in this state of, you know, Everything is, of course, 4K, 6K, 8K, all this, all this scalability. The costumes have to be more complicated, which in turn makes things more difficult for us to replicate um, because the, you know, Boba Fett's, Boba Fett's original costume in Empire Strikes Back was cobbled together with parts. Just the weirdest stuff you'd ever imagine that your imagination filled in is like, Oh man, like it's a rocket dart. He's got it. It's like, no, no, no. That's a turntable cleaning device. That's what that <laughs> is. It, they just took the part off and they put it on his neck, and people were like, I bet you it's an anti security. De-. You know, it's like it was a squeegee for f- film photography, and they just put it in his belt, and people were like, it's a like super knife. What? You know what I mean? <laughs> they can't do, they can't do that anymore. They can't because people can figure it out. People can see stuff. People saw yep. Jeans Guy and like lost their mind over it. Um, so it's like we're at this weird intersection between where, you know, and you you did see the difference between the Rogue One Stormtrooper 
in the original trilogy stormtrooper all these like vacuum form molded stuff that we had in the original trilogy now is made out of urethane it's flexible they're molding in the indents the the tube stripes aren't stickers anymore they're like indented in and then filled in so things are getting more complicated the first order stormtrooper is way more complicated than an original trilogy stormtrooper so we're kind of at this difference and this intersection between where film only might need them on screen for a little bit and then you have even the difference between a stunt costume and a hero costume well now you're actually able to go up and see these characters as close as you want to get before they kick you out of the park. But you can certainly have your, it's getting harder and harder for people to lose that suspension of disbelief because our expectations are our adult part of our brain that wants to figure out why the magic works. But your kids, my kid, the kids we met on Saturday, that was Hulk. That was Hulk up there. I, that Hulk is 10 feet tall, that's Hulk right there. They don't think about that. So we have this like weird intersection between what costuming is supposed to serve, the practicality of us. Like, could I add rockets to the back of my Rising Phoenix on my Din Djarin? Of course I could. Would Disney do that? Probably not, because if you light up rockets, why would you just fire your rockets off? You should fly away. So they probably <laughs> have to figure out how to get Din Djarin to fly up past the top of the former Ogus Cantina extension. Um, so who, who knows, like things could happen, but there is that intersection between being like, we have to figure out what's believable. And again, our target market isn't 50 year old guys who want to complain on the internet. It's kids. Um, and we have to remind ourselves of that, you know? Yeah. Constantly. So, I think let's wrap up on the last kind of topic, which is variety. So talking about conventions and going and seeing all these like fun mashups, like what creative limitations does Disney face that cosplayers just get to go wild with, right? Like the Fab Five, you see them in the park and Mike, you're not a Disney person. The Fab Five is Mickey and his friends, but they'll dress them up oh, for okay. cute different. little, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mickey, this, <laughs> this is Mickey. Yeah. Um, but I was like, I was like Chris Weber. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was like Chris Weber. So they're, they're like, I mean, they're all original Disney characters, but they're the main mascots of the Disney parks. And so they get to dress up in cute costumes for Halloween and they get to wear their little 50th celebration outfits and they get to wear different outfits. Mickey's a magician. Minnie's on the red carpet. So they get a little bit of creativity when it comes to the Fab Five, but when it comes to the rest of the characters in the park, like Boba Fett's not going to be walking around wearing a Santa hat for Christmas time. You know, they're not going to be able to do these fun mashups. Like when you see a Boba Fett at the convention and it's Boba tea. Right. So I guess let me ask this instead is what are some of the fun crossovers that you've seen at conventions that have really stuck out for you? Because we know that we'll never get to see those types of things in the Disney parks. I love, I mean, there was like celebration Chicago, um, there was a, a Superman stormtrooper and he had like the black swirl on the top of his head and had like the, the, it was, it was stormtrooper armor, but it was all blue. And then the crotch piece was red. And then they had the, you know, and then there was like a Rick and Morty, um, 
Rick and Morty trooper. Um, I mean, even I had fun. I, I went as speedy Mike. I make like these little, uh, yeah, these little like business cards. It's just something fun that like, I'm like a scout trooper lumberjack. Who's like sick of hitting trees, cut the trees down. Um, and I walked around with that and I gave those cards out to people and people thought that was hilarious. Um, I, I think, you know, I think we can always, especially you go to a convention and it's so wild because, um, you show up as a standard stormtrooper and it's like the most boring costume there. Right. But like in <laughs> any other case, any other case you walk around as a stormtrooper, like you are, you know, good luck when we do, you know, we do Halloween stuff. Like you're lucky if you can walk down a block without getting stopped 20 times to take a picture with people, because that's like literally what people think of when they think of star Wars. Um, and so I think like you have this issue where, um, especially with 3d printers and especially like in the topic of, of speed, um, there, there really isn't any approval. You see a lot of times in, in the costuming community, you get people who always want to be first to market. That's always the thing, right? So, okay. I've, I've assessed, I've used, um, I've used all of my engineering resources. We figured out that, you know, Brendan Wayne is six one. So that means that his arm is this long. His head is this big, this big. So the shoulder piece is two and a half feet. Okay, cool. We figured that out. So now they can go in, they can model it and do all that stuff. But everyone wants to be the first to market. So now you have like, oh, this is my version of Din Djarin's helmet V4. Well, it's like if you're any of the licensed partners, if you're EFX, if you're Duano Novo, um, you don't get to do that. You have to literally have one version that comes out. And granted, they're able to get more resources than, than we are, official resources, um, but they have to get, they, uh, they have to get things signed off. Um, and so it, it kind of puts the power into the cosplayer's hands because I mean, how fast was Britney's? Like we had a Ned B before Kenobi was even over. Like, yeah. I think before yeah. the, the series finale, like she made a Ned B out of foam and it looked awesome. Like it was, it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I think you have, I think you have those cases where, cosplayers are literally only limited by their imagination and also by their budget. I mean, it's crazy when I see some people that are like fully commit. And I know that like conventions bring out people because there are plenty of my friends who literally have like their followers, their group, their way that they do sponsorship is that like they are costumers. So they, they have to have this level of every time I go to Dragon Con, I have to have five costumes. I'm premiering costumes, which is like weird to me, but I totally get that people do it because it's a big deal to them. But I've never yeah. thought that I would do anything that people would be interested in. So the the process for people to show up and do, um, I mean, even like, like Bantha Betty, like that's super fun. That's like, that stuff I think is what makes the cons, especially coming from Celebration, you see people who do like deep cut characters. Like we've all seen at the, like that, that couple that had the skeletons on their back and every farm boy Luke, they saw, they would go up and like fall over. And then the smoker machine would come out. And <laughs> oh they my were, God. Like, no. You didn't see them. No. Oh, that was, that was hilarious. They had all black on with the charred skeletons of Owen and Baru. And then every time they would see a far, like a tattooing Luke, they'd run up and they'd go, Luke, and they would just lay down and then the smoke would come out and then Luke would be like, no, (laughs) it's incredible. But it's like, in what other world besides the convention circuit, especially a celebration too, are you able to like 
triple down. It's almost like the jokes are so meta at this point that like no one else would get them besides being at celebration or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I think of like some of my favorite costumes are, I mean, I always love you get like some deep cut character. I love that you, you like, I think we saw almost all the original like Rick Baker style cantina creatures. Um, we have one in our garrison, like, uh, it's Muff Tuck, the big furry white one that has the little, like, almost like beak that comes down and drinks out of the, oh yeah uh, the, the blue milk. Um, then you have like the original, you remember like there's like a space, like almost like a 1970s, like space ranger who's like getting a milk at the beginning of the cantina. You know what I'm talking about? It has like the classic, like dome helmet. No. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, Steven? I'm looking at yeah. you. Um, like someone's wearing, you know, so like doing that. And then you have like, you know, you just have these, um, you just have the creativity of people who want to go and make these deep cut characters because they know that that is the space where people would appreciate that. Right. Um, and I, I think it's awesome. I, I love the mashup stuff. I think it's all super funny. Um, the, the stinginess in me is always like, how could you buy a stormtrooper costume just to destroy it? But I love I love that people do it because it provides me great, great joy. Um, and that's why and they after, do it, Mike. Like, I know it's because they want to show off for armor party. I totally get it. Um, <laughs> but no, I think it's, I think it's awesome. I, I love where the community's at right now. I love where the community is in regards to um, people who build and recognizing people who build. Um, and I do at the same time, like I also wish that people would take a step back and remind ourselves that um, these experiences oftentimes should be aimed for younger audiences uh, because that's how you make a fan for life. And um, standing around and like hoo-hawing at a character that no one, like, hey, the Boba Fett helmet is a little oversized. I totally get it. Yes, the gauntlets might accidentally kind of open up from the piano hinge. Your kids don't care. Relax. It's not that big of a deal. Your kid is going to think Boba Fett is there. Your kid is going to be a Star Wars fan for life. Focus on that. Don't worry about the gauntlets. Yep. I think that's I think that's a great place to end it on. It's like we're sitting here not being critical, but just like analyzing the difference between what Disney's doing in the parks and what these cosplayers are doing in the costuming groups and all these stringent standards that they have. But at the end of the day, it's all about the kids. And like, it doesn't matter to them at all what it looks like they they believe that they're seeing this character in real life well Star Wars is real yeah yeah well but I I don't even think it's just the kids it's just that uh that childlike wanderment of like I I just want to I just want to be happy like seeing this like joke that probably no one else would know is it makes me happy, makes me laugh, make, you know, makes me want to share it with other people and have a good time. And I think that's like the other part of it is like, it's, it's just here to, you know, yes, we could be, you know, detailed and say, oh man, this is like the best costume I've ever seen. But at the same time, there's the journey of building that costume, like the blood, sweat and tears that goes into it. Then the story afterwards that, man, this is what, you know, what it took because, you know, I know people that have built costumes and said, all right, I'm going to flip it and I'm going to go build this other costume because yeah. it was, they, Mike, I'm looking at you, <laughs> had as a journey of here's this costume. I love it. I wore it. And then I want this new journey. So you're a glutton for punishment, but 
it's one of those things that it's just there's a joy there for yeah. either the building of it the wearing of it or whatever yeah we've got we just have to get back to just like enjoying these things <laughs> and just like looking at things like we did as kids just have fun with it so what is next thing imagine liking enjoying the things you like yeah imagine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah yes we need Seriously. to put that on a shirt yeah <laughs> All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining us for this. This was a lot of fun. I know you, like us, always have your hands in everything, but tell us what you have going on where people can find you on the internet. Uh, well, many people probably know me from my little side gig called Hondo Supply, uh, where I make a lot of park-inspired wearables and things to enhance your experience when park-going. So you can find me at Hondo Supply on Instagram. And then you can also listen to Armor Party, a podcast about Star Wars costuming over at Armor Party Show on Instagram. And you can find us wherever you get your podcast. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else we have coming up. Oh, we're, we're doing by the time this airs. Um, we uh, do a this thing that I started last year. It's called the uh, Ornament drive which is a charity drive where people are like why is it called ornament you screwed up ornament and i said well it's not called orn mantel thank you very much <laughs> um and so what we do is i i have a bunch of artists who are costumers and who are incredible painters and artists and crafters um and i send out these holiday ornaments so um they they paint them and they they're in different themes and then we auction them off for charity and uh last year we raised over five thousand dollars for magic wheelchair and by the time this comes out, we'll probably have more information that's out there. And you can see uh, how much bigger we're making the dang thing, which is going to be incredible. So, uh, yeah, find us over at Honda Supply or at Armor Party Show. And let's talk and teach me about Mickey, whoever that is. <laughs> One day you'll learn. Um, and you'll be announcing the ornament project on Instagram. So we will link your Instagram in the show notes for that. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Mike. We appreciate you. So you heard from Mike, an armor party. You've heard from Princess Scoundrel. So go listen to the trifecta. Thank the maker. And we'll catch you guys later. Thanks for hanging with us. Until next time. Bye.